All right, guys, welcome back to Riding to Excellence. This is the second part in the three-part series from our virtual Zoom lecture that happened on April 17th here at the clinic. Our way of giving back to our friends and clients and associates that uh, are stuck at home dealing with social distancing and isolation. Uh, the second presentation today is from Dr. Chad Hewlett. It focuses on regenerative therapies and is an overview of PRP, IRAP, and stem cells. This is definitely one of Energy Equine's favorite topics. Dr. Hewlett loves utilizing the horse's own body to help heal and benefit the performance ho horse, and the veterinary community has cert certainly taken some massive strides in the last few years around regenerative medicine. So today's lecture is a rundown of the therapies utilized at Energy Equine. That includes techniques such as IRAP, PRP, and stem cell administration, and how they are utilized to help your equine athletes start strong and finish stronger. If you prefer to listen over podcasts, that's why we've provided this audio for you today. But if you'd rather follow along on the slides that Dr. Hewlett provided, you can go to our YouTube at Energy Equine Veterinary Services and watch and listen on YouTube instead. It's really up to you. We're just trying to provide everything for you guys because we know that some of you are probably trying to get outside and ride and maybe listening to podcasts at the same time so without further ado here's dr hewlett's presentation from our virtual lecture we do hope you enjoy it uh for i'm sure most of you are very aware but for those of you that maybe are joining us and have never been to our practice before uh dr chad hewlett is our founder and senior veterinarian here at the practice he's been in practice for over 25 years he is an American by way of uh, Iowa, but he's been in Canada for quite some time. He cut his teeth on uh, racetrack horses and from there has become very well known for his, um, his focus in soundness as well as locomotion. Um, and uh, yeah, he's a, he's a pretty cool guy. And if you let him talk his ear off about, your ear off about health and CrossFit and supplements, he'll totally divert away from regeneratives and focus on that. So today we'll keep him focused on vet stuff, but you, uh, in your appointments, as many of you know, he loves hugs and he loves talking about health and wellness. So COVID's been a hard time for him overall. I'm going to let him get started. And uh, if you have any questions, drop them in the chat box. And if he's being a little quiet, make sure you let us know as well. Okay, Chad, I'm just going to unmute you and mute myself. You can see me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Am I in the middle of the screen? Yeah. Okay. Hi everyone. Uh, I must admit that this is a new experience for me. I've uh, spoken to groups from one to I don't know fifteen hundred or whatever, but always kind of live, right? So um, definitely, it's a new new experience looking at the computer. So hopefully, everyone's staying safe in this time, and that you're starting to kind of wander out a little bit and see some of the beautiful weather that's happened over the last few days and getting ready for the impending spring that's going to happen uh, whether we're experiencing social distancing or not uh, louise is right the social distancing it's been hard for me we're doing lots of um we call them virtual hugs virtual <laughs> handshakes that kind of stuff so yeah anyway let's get on to one of my favorite things the future of, of veterinary medicine especially the sports medicine side of things is going to be regenerative therapies and if you've been to see us before or been on rehab cases, we talk about this a lot, right? So PRP, IRAP, and stem cells. Let's talk a little bit about what, what is platelet-rich plasma. I mean, everybody, it's the big catchphrase right now, been pretty hot for probably about 10 years, but really the last five years, it's really been catching on. Uh, PRP is made of your horse's own blood. 
Um, and it's kind of, I'm just going to read through these a little bit. Pla platelets stimulate cell growth within the body. Platelets are the cell that plug up blood vessels when your horse begins to bleed. Uh, when platelets arrive at the site of the injury, they release growth factors that encourage tissue to regenerate. They encourage new blood, blood vessels to form, bringing oxygen nutrients to the damaged tissue. Okay, so if we're really thinking about why we use them in the athletic injuries that we use them in, the two bottom ones really ring through, right? The release of growth factors that encourage tissues to regenerate. So if you think of a lacerated vessel or a damaged blood vessel, that's what you need. And that's why platelet, platelets show up there to plug the hole, but they also show up there because they're kind of the repair man or the repair woman, like, so that they can put that blood vessel back together and get that blood flowing into that area. They encourage new blood vessels to form, bringing oxygen and nutrients to damaged tissue. If you have a soft tissue injury or even a joint injury, um, you really want those things to happen, right? Oxygen and the nutrients to be there. That's what's gonna bring about cell regeneration. It's gonna help us get a better healing. Maybe not necessarily a quicker healing. I wanna make sure that we're careful with that. That's one of the things that we get into is if, if I use platelet-rich plasma in my horse, is it gonna be quicker to recover? Possibly, but not necessarily 100% that way. We do hope that by using PRP in our tissues that we get a better healing. Let's just go on a little bit here to a couple of things because we get these questions all the time. So PRP, platelet-rich plasma, how is it harvested? In that picture there, you can see a really kind of a complicated looking machine. It's called an angel angel draw. There are myriads of other ways to, to do platelets as well. The sim most simple one is just to take your blood, take the horse's blood or your own blood because we have the same kind of thing going on and so do cats and dogs. Uh, you just draw a blood, draw sterilely and you use some sort of a centrifuge because that's what that machine on the, in the picture is, is it's a, a very complicated centrifuge system that allows blood to, to be spun so that those heavier platelets can concentrate at the bottom of the tube um, or at the bottom of the, of the draw, okay? So when we're doing this, if we spin because the platelets are heavy, they tend to marginate or move to the outside of the tube or the collection container, and then we're able to harvest them. And just think about it for a second, as, as most regenerative things are, we're just trying to, to mimic or mock whatever's going on in, your, in the horse's body or your body to start with. So in this situation, we're gonna take the platelets from, let's say, I don't know, 15 or 20 cc's of blood, and then we're gonna try and concentrate them into like two or three cc's or five cc's, so that we end up with a con, um, what we call platelet-rich plasma, okay? Um, what are we treating? Generally use injuries, joint injuries and osteoarthritis. Um, all injuries that are often slow to heal, okay? That's a big part of it. We wanna use this in an area where there's not necessarily the best blood flow. So if you look at the hands of the veterinarian doing the injection, that's going into the proximal suspensory region, which is a very, very common area for platelet-rich plasma to use. Biggest, there's several factors, but one of the really leading factors is the fact that tendons and ligaments just don't carry a lot of blood supply inside of them. They do have blood circulation around the outside or through the tissues that are surrounding them. But because they don't carry a lot of that, it's hard to get the concentration that you're looking for. So by harvesting it off and then, like I said, concentrating it, you can put a smaller volume next to it or right into it, and it allows those tissues to get the healing factors that they want to get naturally and you know, what's really cool about it is you're just using the horse's body we're just taking it out of one place 
and then concentrating it with some sort of technology and then just replacing it back into an area where there's been an injury. Okay. Joint injuries, same thing. The joint itself actually has a lot of blood supply around the outside, but there's not a tremendous amount of blood supply inside of any joint, right? It's usually just around the outside. So osteoarthritis, same thing. We put that plasma inside that joint, it's going to diffuse out. And, and you guys know that osteoarthritis is a combination of the joint, the joint fluid and the joint capsule. Okay. And when we, when we put that plasma in that joint, it's, it marginates and, and gets outside into that joint capsule within about usually 24 hours, most of it's gone and into the soft tissue being used to heal the, the damaged areas there. Okay, so the angel system that we talked about a little, did I go? No, I'm still, no, yeah. No, okay. For, for, that's all right, that's all right. Weezy and I, we're, we're gonna just keep moving through this. So angel system, a couple of things, that, let's just talk about a couple of things that are happening because the in the old days, you just drew blood, you could put it into a tube and spin it in your centrifuge that you used for blood work and you'd have really, you'd have some pretty decent plasma to be honest with you. But over the last few years, because this, um, PRP has become so intricate, especially in the human side. This is a human machine, right? And, and in human medicine right now, this is on fire and has been for a while on the athletic side. Um, there's a golfer, his name's Tiger Woods. About 10 years ago, he had his knees injected with plasma and he was talking about how much better he felt being more professional athletes. And so as it starts to kind of get them to the, you know, into the, what we call the mainstream of, um, people that are popular, I guess we could say paparazzi or whatever, that really brought it to the forefront for the rest of us, even though we've been using it uh, as a while, uh, as, a, as a modality before that. So it's a revolutionary production system because PRP uh, formulations could be exactly, exactly tailored to specific needs of the patient. We're getting to the point where they're starting to research, okay, so if I do uh, five times plasma, four times plasma, three times. So just thinking of the concentration, certain things respond better to higher concentrations of platelets. I wouldn't say that we're quite at the point in the equine side where we know all that, all those different variations. So let's just say, for instance, that a ligament in my foot or the horse's foot, uh, as you guys were talking, I was kind of listening to the talk, let's say um, a distal sesamoidian ligament responds well to five times platelets, okay? Well, we know that once we get that figured out, you just use five times platelets because that would give you the best healing. Let's say that a stifle joint wants 10 times the normal platelets, okay? So that's what we use. Right now, the machinery that we're using and the way that we're doing things, we just spin it. It comes out about three to five times the, plate, the uh, concentration, and we put that in. Sometimes we'll get some different variations, but that's, that's been kind of the standard. Okay, uh, actually, I'm going to go back. I'm just going to go back and make sure I kind of finish up with this. When we're done, when the questions come through, we can go over some different things for, with PRP. PRP for me is the pain relief comes from the healing. Okay, just keep that in the back of your mind. It's not a painkiller directly. There is some pain relief with it, but it's because it's actually done some healing or taken out some of the inflammation in the area that you've treated. Okay, the next one we're going to go into is IRAP. Okay. Interleukin receptor antagonist protein. As we get to that, this one, this one is going to be more of a, a direct pain modulator. Okay. But if you look at it, it's just an anti inflammatory protein that counteracts inflammatory proteins such as interleukin 1, 
that are produced within inflamed or arthritic joints. Okay, interleukin one has been researched a, a bunch in many species, and it's been shown to be uh, one of the main players when it comes to our osteoarthritis in the horse uh, and uh, and many other species. Okay, so it wasn't a surprise when someone was able to kind of do the research, come up with a kit, and put it all together, right? And so what what ends up happening is is this receptor antagonist protein ends up binding so that interleukin can't express its uh, inflammatory process. And then that just quiets down the joint. The more of these that we can turn off, the healthier that joint can become as far as pain goes. And, and there is a bit of regenerative uh, effect as well. It's designed to stimulate the horse's own white blood cells, reduce the inflammation present as a result of degenerative joint disease and IRAP treats, IRAP treats the cause of joint disease and is an action. And it's, its action is aimed at restoring joint lining and cartilage function. A lot of that comes secondary from a joint that's able to become normalized, right? If we think about homeostasis, which is the term, the Latin term for just being balanced, in balance, right? That's what we're looking for when we use these regenerative therapies is to try and get the body back into balance, right? Quiet down the excessive inflammation and get it to turn to, to a balance of normal, normal um, physiology. Interleukin, inter IRAP, how is it harvested? <laughs> okay, so we're dealing, everything, the two, the, the three therapies that I'm gonna talk about today have a lot to do with the blood system. And if you think about your physiology and your anatomy, basically blood is what carries your, either takes the nutrients to your body and it also takes the stuff away that you need to filter out through your kidneys or it helps to, you know, it goes through your lungs and that's where you pick up your oxygen. Same with your horse, right? So how is it harvested? Blood is collected from the horse and incubated for 24 hours in special syringes that contain glass, glass beads. What we're looking for here is surface area. Okay, we just need those beads inside of that syringe or the casing in order for that blood to attach. And then if you put it at body temperature, let it incubate for 24 hours, what you're trying to do is remember, if you think back to the slide before when I was talking, I said, we're looking to shake or get a hold of those, um, those receptors. And so, oh, yeah, is that better? Good. Okay, so you're looking to get a hold of those receptors so that you can um, essentially stop that interleukin, right? And so, if you only have ten of those receptors blocked, you're not gonna you're not gonna quiet that joint down very much. But if I can get a thousand, or say a hundred thousand, of those receptors turned off, now I'm starting to get some I'm getting some traction, right? Like this joint's gonna feel better. That horse is gonna have some relief, right? So that's the whole goal: is that we take whatever is naturally occurring in the blood, and then we're able to magnify it. Uh, a certain number of times, right? Every horse is different. Some horses are really good at this. Some are not so good at it. If you're looking in the literature and your different veterinary clinics uh, do this, and this, there's no judgment here. It's just a matter of if you hear something said that they didn't use your horse's IRAP on your horse, it's because certain clinics now are starting to use other horses because they're so good at producing high levels of uh, IRAP that they would rather use the donor horse than the, than the horse's blood itself. We're not, we're definitely not doing that right now. And it's not, I'm not criticizing. It's just that from the standpoint of I'm pretty comfortable taking your horse's blood, making IRAP for him or her, and then putting it back in. I'm, 
not at a point where I'm comfortable taking it from another animal, even if it does produce more IRAP than your horse does and sticking it in your horse. I'm just, we're just not there yet, right? Um, this in, this, so let's come back to our slide a little bit. We talked about the growth, then we, he's induced the white blood cells present in the blood to produce and secrete therapeutic proteins. So that's just the ramping up or the magnification. As I was talking about the surface area, after 24 hours, the blood is centrifuged and the serum is separated from the red blood cells. This just allows us to take out what we want and to discard what we don't need to use for uh, IRAP. When the split, when we split the protein-rich serum into separate frozen doses and freeze them for use at a later date, okay, so we usually end up getting somewhere between 20 and 24 cc's per IRAP syringe draw. You may only need, your horse may only need five or six at that time. The beautiful thing with this is this can be frozen. We're keeping some of ours, you know, six months to a year. Most of the time it's getting used up before then, but it's nice because you can harvest this once and then have doses to use later on to do maintenance, or sometimes we have to stack it a little bit. So again, if we come back to what I was talking about, say there's, I'm just going to use this as an example. Let's say there's a hundred IRAPs inside of the stifle of your horse that are turned on. And I put in five cc's and it's got 20 IRAP in it. Okay, well, it's probably going to take me five injections to get up to that. And it's it's sad that we, not sad, it's just the way it is. We don't know how many are in there. So we usually try to in, inject in a series in order to get ourselves to the level. Once we've figured out what the level is, then we just stay on our maintenance dose from there, depending on um, how often that horse is being used and uh, how quick the, the, uh, the um, joint returns to abnormal function. Okay. The treatment, okay, so three joint injections, seven to 14 day intervals. I just kind of started talking about that a little bit ago. Target areas of joint disease and de degradation. IRAP is useful after uh, arthroscopic removal chip fragments. Studies have shown that treated horses demonstrate reduced lameness, improved joint makeup, and tendency towards cartilage preservation. Again, this is this these things are coming from the fact that we're using the horse's own natural healing factors to take them in a direction we want to go. When we use synthetic things like cortisone and hyaluronic acid, they do work, but they don't they don't have the same preservation that the, that the horse's own body does. Uh, HIRAP does not increase the risk of laminitis, and there's a small risk of joint infection than with the use of traditional injections. So these are things that have come to light, especially. Um, I'm pretty sure Travis is going to talk about uh, equine metabolic syndrome. Is that our yeah, that's our next one. And, and so in there, with this type of horse, you know, some of these warm bloods, some of these older quarter horses, we see this um, this almost like I mean, we've got a pandemic going on with uh, with COVID, but it seems like we have a pandemic going on with EMS too in in horses over the last five or six years, like like I've never seen before in practice. So the nice thing about IRAP is there is, to this point, we've not seen any risk of causing laminitis. Your joint infection chances do go down with the, uh, versus traditional injections just because you're not turning off the immune system. When you stick corticosteroids inside of a horse's joint, you're actually looking to turn off the immune system. And that's why there is that, that risk with traditional injections. Okay, I'm just gonna, before we go on to the last one, I'm just gonna talk to kind of a little bit this is a syringe where we're actually drawing the blood with a butterfly catheter and then if i go back to this syringe that if you look down by the 10 and the 20 there you can kind of see the glass beads in the bottom 
that's this that's how it's grown okay and this is how we draw it here in this area and then we end up um, incubating it for 24 hours with those glass beads that we talked about okay now let's go on to the last one um, stem cell therapy what is it stem cells are cells that are, have the potential to develop into some of the into some of the different specialized cells that make up body tissue such as bone muscle blood and nerves uh, primary use is mesenchymal stem cells the difference into cells that form bone, tendon, fat, and cartilage. We inject mesenchymal stem cells from the bone or fat of a horse into areas with damaged tendons or cartilage. Okay. A couple of things to keep in mind. This is not new. Okay. They started studying stem cells, I think, in the late 60s and the early 70s in different uh, human labs and horse labs. And so you kind of get, there's this whole smattering of what's out there, what can work, and you know, is this a new thing? The new part is, is that it's become easier for us to do, right? And it's become a lot more available for horses. Before it's, for like the last 30 years, it's almost been a research type of thing. And we knew that it would work. We just, I just don't know that there was the push out there. Um, maybe it was because uh, Big Pharma was so involved and not blaming them or that's some, not some sort of thing where I'm picking on them, but, Maybe they just did such a good job of looking after things that we didn't really start to get into it. But with the move, the kind of the new age move, we've seen where humans are looking for ways to, to heal their body without using chemicals. And we've started to see that happen in horses. It's just kind of a parallel system. I think we're, if, if we're doing it on ourselves, why don't we try and do it on our horse? Sometimes we do it on the horses before we do it on ourselves. And, and I think stem cell therapy from a treatment standpoint has really jumped up. The two places that we have enjoyed the most success for it have been stifle injuries. So meniscal tears or uh, damage inside of the stifle and then proximal suspensory ligaments. Uh, we've used it for other ligaments too. And I like it. It's just that it's it, the biggest thing is, is that if you can, if the client can see value, then they'll, they'll do it. This therapy costs quite a bit more than the other two therapies or the, yeah, the other two therapies. So it's just always a, challenge to to make sure that we invest your money appropriately so sometimes i think prp has become the therapy because it's got a, a better price point you can do the shockwave with it and you can treat several times stem cells um, what's nice about them is they really do have the potential to differentiate into the cells that we're looking for and they work for up to six months afterwards right i think that's the big thing there as well um anything else i can add there there's also a really nice soup around them. Stem cell extracellular stuff that we talk about. So there's been some labs that have actually done research on that um, soup that comes with the stem cells. And some people think that the soup is as important as the stem cells themselves. So when we harvest, we get that little bit of uh, extra stuff around there that comes with the stem cells. So we don't want to forget that as well. If you're looking in the research, you'll see some stuff where there's different things where people talk about the associated growth factors that come with stem stem cell therapy and wondering if that's not as much help as the stem cells themselves. How is it harvested? So a couple different things we want to talk about. You, you can get in an argument, uh, definitely I'm not going to argue today over bone marrow versus um, fat. And then there's the, the ones harvested from uh, umbilical cords, right? And if we're looking to the future, I would say the umbilical cord ones are going to really come to the prominence. And you'll see out in, especially in the United States right now, there's some, there's a couple of companies that have jumped up over the last couple of years 
I don't remember the names of them, but you're going to see them on the forefront where they're actually harvesting stem cells from um, umbilical cords that have been gathered up from breeding farms as, as, as uh, foals are being born. Again, if you're doing that, you're definitely open to the fact that they're, they're allopathic, right? Like they're, they're not your horse's stem cells. They came from the most viable place to get them, which is in a developing fetus, right? So the placenta is a great place to have those stem cells because they're, they're at a really, really sweet spot in their life where they can really do a lot of growth and, and fix a lot of things. Again, you just have to be okay with the fact that it's not your horse's stem cells. The other two ways, the bone marrow and the fat, just means that you collect from your own animal. Then there's a couple places in these states, Texas A&M, Colorado State, and then vet stem is still in California where you can get, once you harvest the stem cells, if you send them off, they'll actually grow them up. And then they'll bank your horse's stem cells. And then if you need some, you just get on the telephone or send an email and you can have them grown up or sent to you, right? Uh, this, the quickest way and the reason that we kind of bought into the system we did is we use a, a system where we can come in and you can see the finger in the groove there where we can actually draw within four hours we have 15 million stem cells to put wherever we want. You, you can't harvest you know, repeatedly without some time frame between them because the fat needs to be replaced in that area. Um, but they do two, they do have two, two hips, right? So this is the left side, which is a normal, we usually start with the left. And then if we have to harvest, we harvest on the right the second time or whatever. Um, what's nice about it, as I said before, is you get very fresh stem cells. You get your own, you definitely get the horse's stem cells and it can be done in a day, right? We don't have to send it off the U.S. We don't have to worry about the, the border crossing, the growing of them, and then trying to figure out all the uh, regulations that go with it. The bone marrow side of things, at this point, everything is done through the U.S. So you'd harvest the, the bone marrow and then it gets sent down. If they grow it up, it takes anywhere from three weeks to a month. And then you have your stem cells back. At that time, a lot of places will save them if you ask, ask them to. And then you have a what's called a bank in the U.S. that you would call that and get your stem cells from. The treatment, we inject the stem cells directly into the injured tissue, either through ultrasound-guided injection or regional limb perfusion. Um, studies have shown positive results in tendon and ligament injuries, including better alignment of fibers and less disorganized scar tissue, uh, lower rates of injury after stem cell treatment. I think the biggest things for us is that when it's, when a horse is put through a re, um, the proper regenerative therapy program. Okay. So I'm just going to kind of come back to PRP stem cells and IRAP. When you're using these, just keep in mind that it's not going to be, sometimes it's not going to be as quick as cortisone or traditional therapies where you inject into an area and there's an anti-inflammatory response right away, they are a little bit like pulling back a slingshot, right? Like as the rubber band's coming back, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden when you let go of the rock, it's propulsed, right? So you gotta keep, I have to say this to myself every single time, you know, we'll do a set of injections on a horse and the very next week, the question comes is, is my horse gonna be, when's my horse gonna be better? Well, it's gonna be better once that tissue is healed and that heat tissue could take anywhere from three weeks to three months. I think the biggest thing that we're putting together and you can kind of see how we parallel this today is the rehab. Once that tissue has been put on a healing trajectory, then the question becomes is how much do I challenge it? Right. And if I challenge it too much, well then I'm re-injuring it all the time. If I don't challenge it enough, I get a scar. Okay. 
And the girls did, I think, a brilliant job of kind of going through the delicate balance. And I don't think that we have it all dialed in at the moment, but we're getting closer. And over the next few years, I think um, equine sports medicine is really going to get its finger onto it because it's a very big focus at the moment, right? So using these regenerative therapies to treat these injuries and then having a very good rehab program on the back, uh, we'll see our success go up with your horses uh, across the board for all their grains. Definitely that's where we are focusing a lot of our attention at the moment, as you know, so. Okay, questions. Okay. All right, so we've had a couple already come in uh, and then I have a couple from before as well. So Chad, at what point do you choose to use PRP over a general joint injection or do you have to use them together? Okay, so okay, question is, question, yeah, it's gone now. Okay, so the question is, is when would I use a PRP versus a regular uh, injection? I think, is that correct? Yeah. Okay, so, okay, so a couple things to keep in mind is PRP is deact can be deactivated by the use of steroids at the same time. In some human labs, they're so careful that they won't even allow you to take an aspirin or any kind of a non-steroidal for up to 30 days before they do the stem cells or the PRP treatment, and they don't want you to use it for six months after you're treated, okay? Because they think that it has an inhibitory effect on the PRP and what it's doing as far as the healing factors. I think we may more and I don't mean lax in a negative way, but I think we tend to Think of horses as having the ability to heal so we would not use we tend to not use steroids and prp in the same appointment we use we tend to be um, if we have a ligament injury we're going to use some prp in it if i'm going to use it in, in some joints i do that same thing but i wouldn't use any steroids that day i would use that uh, definitely we use irap and prp in the same appointment pretty regularly because the irap has no no effect on the immune system in the quieting it down, if anything, it's trying to step it up. Um, do horses ever reject stem cells? Okay, so in our experience, no. And that's because we, like I said before, we're only using the horse's own stem cells. I do know that when you use stem cells from another animal, as even platelets and even IRAP, there is that risk, right? And I think that's probably the reason that we've been so careful is, is we're not, we would like to not see those rejections. Definitely, you're gonna see more and more what we call uh, allopathic, like I think, yeah, allopathic, where you're gonna see there's a donor horse that gives really good stem cells, gives really good platelets, gives really good IRAP, and so we're just gonna see companies try to purify that and put it in a bottle, and they're, they're doing it already, right? Uh, a lot of hospitals have donor horses for their IRAP and they just use the IRAP from that horse. Stem cells are no different at this point. And the, and the, and the, the um, umbilical ones we were talking about, and I can see why we're reaching for it. And I, I think in time it'll come to Canada where we'll have the um, umbilical ones as well. Okay, so the next question is, are the stem cells from bone marrow better than from fat? Yeah, great question. It's the it's the, so I'm gonna just go through a couple of arguments here real quick. So, and you can kind of form your own opinion. 
the bone marrow stem cells have been touted in several laboratories as the best stem cells out there. Um, and the fat has been touted in certain ones too. I'll go through a couple of the pluses and the minuses. The plus of the bone marrow is, is that once you have it harvested, and we talked about it, once they start growing them, you can, you can have unlimited stem cells. So you can get as many millions or billions as you would like, right? One of the things that you'll see is the counterpart of that is, is that they're often grown on some sort of sugar media, okay? And sugar is a problem with cancer. And so stem cells and cancer are really not that far apart. So you'll see the argument back there. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I just want you to know that that's part of it. The fat stem cells, the, the big um, hindrance on them is that if you're harvesting fat and you're using it, you're not growing up new stem cells using stem cells that are already in the horses or the human's body and they may not be as healthy as new ones right and you you can't grow them per se at that level right i think the jury's still out um i would say the one that's probably going to take the lead if i was just kind of reaching out to look at the future is going to be the umbilical ones everything that i read and the stuff that i see in the human literature as well as the horse literature shows that that's they're pretty cool because they're, they're, they're baby stem cells. They're healthy. Um, they're very pluripotential potential, which means that they are at a spot where they could grow into anything. Even the stem cells that you see in fat and bone marrow in a mature adult horse or a human or a dog or whatever, they've already kind of been placed into a certain spot. Whereas those ones in that umbilicus or that baby those baby stem cells, they haven't. And so when I put them into a ligament, they can, we think that they can help that ligament more than a mature one can. Yes. Okay. So Kim had asked the question about PRP over general joint injection. She missed the answer, but I think she has a more specific question. And that's when would you choose PRP slash IRAP over a steroidal joint injection? Okay. There's uh, which Kim? Kim. Okay, sorry. Anyway, it's so good. It's good. We have several Kims in our practice. So, a great question. And if anyone's ever been to an appointment with me in the last year, maybe the last three years, you always hear me say, "If it was a perfect world." Okay. So, if it was a perfect world, and money wasn't a concern, and time wasn't a problem, and everybody lived ten minutes from me, and I could do everything that I wanted. I would move to a mixture of PRP and IRAP together, okay? And I would use hyaluronic acid. And the reason being is, is that anytime that I'm using the horse's own body to heal it, I think I can reload way more. And I think I'm going to be able, I think we're going to be able to see things to where therapies will last longer. If they don't last longer, we could re-up without the concerns of the laminitis. And anytime that I'm putting these two factors in there, I'm actually trying to heal the horse, right? I'm not just trying to quiet down the inflammation. I'm actually trying to do things through a healing process, right? So if that, I'll just make that as my first qualifier, okay? Now let's come back to the world we live in, okay? I just ran on Sunday and all my friends are up again on Thursday and Friday. And I'm trying to beat them, okay? Plasma is not your friend, okay? It is a great product, but it's not gonna heal that horse by Friday, right? When I stick a little bit of triamcinolone and a little bit of depamedrol in there, though, uh, you can ante up on Thursday and Friday and beat your friends, right? Like, that's just, that's a game we're going to be playing, right? And, and so, 
we have to kind of look at what we're looking for. I'm not criticizing cortisone hyaluronic acid. We, we use a lot of it in a really respectful manner. And we feel that it's a great treatment um, for horses that are mature and, and have issues and quiet things down. I feel like if I go back to the talk that the girls gave, everything that I'm talking about from the stem cell, PRP, IRAP, and then even all the cortisone stuff, we're just looking for horses to return to their normal biomechanics, right? Just think of yourself. If you're not moving in the proper um, form or proper way, then you end up injuring yourself more. And think of that compounded times two because you're walking on two legs, your horse is walking on four legs, and it's got a lever arm that's about three feet long with a uh, like a 65-pound pendulum on it, right? And so as you start to kind of put all those things together, that's the balance, right? Is how do we get the relief that your horse needs in the time frame that you're looking for with the ability to, to operate with inside of these regenerative medicines, right? If it, if we could, if we just, time wasn't a factor, money wasn't a factor, uh, the IRAP and the PRP and the stem cells, that's all we would use here with, with some really good hyaluronic acid from a joint therapy stuff. These are some, we have some really great questions coming in. Um, are the applications of these therapies as promising with a chronic or degenerative condition such as DSLD versus an acute injury? Um, if I speak to people with DSLD, uh, degenerative dispensary ligament disease. Okay, so if I have a horse that has, a, has that syndrome, I, I feel bad saying this, that's, that's a one-way road and it's never fun. Does that make sense? Like I think using stem cells, plasma and shockwave and anything you can do to do to help that is, is really key. I also am going to go out on a limb and talk a little bit about nutrition because I'm, I'm not going to get in that rabbit hole because Louise already warned you that I love to talk about the gut and I love to talk about the things that we can do. But I also, I wonder sometimes if we don't see that coming on in these horses based on the chronic inflammation coming from the gut and almost like a leaky gut syndrome where these, these, um, these ligaments become degenerative over time. My experience with the with that syndrome is is that we manage it the best we can. Um, it is a one way street. That's that's not. I haven't seen anything that's going to take us away from it. Unfortunately, the, the regenerative therapies will slow it. They just can't stop it. Okay. Um... Dodie, Dodie, uh, who always comes to all of our lectures, says, are PRP and IRAP used for maintenance also or mostly for injury recovery? Uh, great question, Dodie. Hopefully the sun's shining in Nanton, Alberta today. So, um, you know, coming to go back to that perfect world, we're starting to see with the angel because the angel system that you saw there, we can draw anywhere from about 100 to 250 cc's of plasma when a horse comes in and then we can bank that and freeze it. So some of our clients have been using that as a maintenance. Like I just did a, an old warm blood horse yesterday that has chronic disease in its pastern disease and coffin joint. It has low and high ring bone. So we put that in there and we're going to do it again in a couple of weeks. So we're using it as a maintenance that clients very solid and wanting to use it on using non-steroidals. The horse has some ulcer problems, that sort of thing. Um, as these therapies become more and more mainstream, I think we see people using them more and more as a routine maintenance or preventative versus just the treatment of chronic injuries. Right now, they've been kind of reserved for that because of the price point. Okay, uh, another great question. If using IRAP 
if you are using IRAP, what would an appointment look like? Would you have to keep the horse there for two to three days? Yeah. yeah. Great question. <laughs> we get um, we get horses that come in all the time and, and people are quite interested in the IRAP. And that's what I was meaning about being 10 minutes away. IRAP is 24 hours. So we prefer that if we, you know, if we can, we'd like to either see the horse ahead and harvest the IRAP or we have to see them afterwards. The plasma, nice thing about it, uh, it can be drawn and spun down. If it's just our regular system, our, um, what's this, Arthrex, sorry. The, the original Arthrex system, it takes us about a 15 minute lead time to get things prepared and then we inject it that day. But the IRAP is, unless it's frozen, is always a draw. A lot of our clients that are buying into the IRAP, what they're doing is they'll just have us come out before spring hits and have the, have us just harvest. Like I'm gonna go harvest some IRAP next week on a horse that they probably won't use it for three or four months, but they know they're gonna to wanna to use it when they wanna use it in a horse that's got a problem. And this, this is another thing that we do here is we try not to lie to ourselves. Once a horse has a problem, it's probably a problem, right? Does that make sense? Like we, if I've got a pastern that's not getting better, and it's got some arthritic changes in it. I don't tell myself I treat it once. Oh, it's all better. No, I'm not. That's not going away. So this client knows there's a couple of things with this high-level dressage horse that if we keep it tapped up, right, meaning that we keep it pain-free, the, the function stays good, and it just keeps climbing the levels, right? And, you know, they're, they're trying to make it to Grand Prix with this horse. So um, as it goes through those levels, this one particular, these couple areas that we have to treat on a regular basis, that's the limiting factor. So I think those are those are the things that are nice about IRAP is, is that it allows us to get in there, help that horse out because that problem is not going away. I mean, this is a, a lot of these horses are very well conditioned and using their biomechanics appropriately. They just have a weak link, right? As we all do. I got a knee and a shoulder, right? So, and the, the more I take care of them, the better my CrossFit goes. Okay, uh, there's a couple more here. Is there a limit to how many times you should use PRP? I have a gelding that had it for a DDFT tear, and I think it truly helped his healing and strength immense. Yeah, that's awesome. We, we have enjoyed a lot of success with deep digital flexor tendon um, problems by using IRAP, or, or sorry, using PRP. We've used IRAP too on some of them, but the PRP has really been helpful there. We have kind of paralleled with the human literature. Um, there'll be more PRP literature coming out. Just keep in the back of your mind that the reason that big pharma is able to enjoy the success that it enjoys is because they have, um, when they're putting together products, they get money to do research, right? So if you look at the PRP, the only person that's making, I shouldn't say this, the only group that's going to benefit from this is the manufacturers of the kits right well the kits don't they don't need to have any literature done for the for the horse side the human side's so hot that they're doing all the research on the human side so we've been using a lot of our a lot of our treatment protocols are based off of human stuff there are there's going to be more horse stuff over the next little bit but we do three treatments we do them anywhere from seven to 14 days apart and then depending on how that horse does, you know, for soft tissue injuries like a deep digital flexor, you may do that later on. But usually we're trying to see if we can get those to heal pretty nicely um, with those three treatments and a, an appropriate rehab program, right? Especially DDFT. I think I have two more and then we'll wrap it up. 
Um, for a navicular horse, would PRP or IRAP be beneficial together, separate, et cetera? Okay, we, we have used a lot of PRP in navicular horses. Um, I had two barrel horses last year that were injured towards the you know, CPRI ones, so really nice ones. And, and they both ended up with some PRP treatments in the fall and a little bit of shockwave. Um, because the season wasn't going to the, to the client's liking, they were able to take those horses out of performance. And I think that's a big part of it if I'm working on a navicular area. Um, with a soft tissue because we don't always have MRIs. Both those horses didn't have MRIs, but we knew they had soft tissue injuries in their feet because the radiographs were normal and the horse blocked to that area. So we treated the best we could as far as depositing PRP in that area. And we just leave those horses off. And then we started them both back here recently with some rehab programs to get through it. So I like PRP for those injuries down there because it does the healing, especially if I've got a fresher injury. I think that's the thing to keep in mind is anytime that you tear or injure a soft tissue, the more you wait, the low, less your chances are that we can get there. Because once the scarring's in place, it's a little bit hard to take it out. Uh, IRAP down there, yeah, we use a lot of IRAP in navicular bursas, and we use it in coffin joints, and we like how it works there as far as pain relief goes, and maybe those more chronic cases of navicular disease. Okay, last question. Why does it seem like we've moved away from prolo injections along with these regenerative injections? So maybe just touch on first what prolo is for people that have never heard and then why it seems that we have moved away from them as a, as a treatment. Um, we still use prolo. I, every stifle that I blister, every whirl bone that I inject gets prolo therapy. I moved away from, I used to use iodine and almond oil. We still use that the odd time, but any of our blister therapies are still prolotherapy. Um, I still like the prolotherapy. I think over the last few years, even if you went into the human side, um, IRAP and PRP fit in the prolotherapy category. They're just not the traditional stuff. Um, I also feel like the areas that I use prolo in, it's because I can get And then, okay. You're still on. I'm still on. Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> this whole technical thing. Now I'm looking at a black screen because I just touched a button and turned everything off. So, um, my wife would say I like to talk to myself, so this will work out just fine. So, um, coming back to those prolotherapy thoughts, the IRAP and the PRP in the purest sense are prolotherapy, right? Um, I believe that. As we've seen these new modalities kind of come on, even in the human field, if you go to a naturopath, they're using a lot more PRP than they were a few years ago, just because there's such a boost in the, uh, in the healing that you get from it. Uh, we still do quite a few prolotherapy injections. I still like it in our practice. Um, and if people are keen to do it, we'll still do it for them. Okay, 77. I'm going to count that after we get off this. We'll be back in a minute. Number 77 on our list. Oh, I'm not unmuted. I'm an idiot. My helmet, I'm going to myself. Uh, so number 77, I'm going to do a quick count. So you guys better stay on or else you're going to shift around. It uh, gets a four-liter jug of Equiflax. This is our new flax oil that we have. It's exclusive to Energy Equine. It's a great product that Dr. Hewlett loves and he recommends all the time. Very high in omega-3s, so great anti-inflammatory 
properties and really good for skin and hoof condition. Also just a really great supplement that's a lesser uh, price point to add on to your supplements or grains that you're already feeding. And then we're also gonna throw in a fun core balance hat. Um, this is uh, the supplement line that is also exclusive to us in Canada. Everyone that knows us knows that we love it. There's formulas for training horses, develop, horses that are developing, broodmares, and then there's some added extra supplements that include amino acids and hyaluronic acids. So really great supplement line, a great oil product that we've just started carrying. I feel like Vanna White. Um, so number 77 on the list is going to get that. I will do that counting now and I will let you guys know in the comments who that is. Uh, next up is Dr. Travis Kelter. We're going to do uh, another quick 10 minute break. I don't know where Travis is. And if any of you know him in real life, he can be a little scattered. So again, <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. But we're going to get his presentation up on the other laptop. Uh, thank you guys for coming and chatting with Dr. Hewlett. Um, and yeah, I guess we'll see you in quick 10 minutes uh, for the next, the last presentation. Thanks so much.